Well, good morning out there in Radio Land. This is November the 15th, 2023. We are just uh, eight days, seven days away from Thanksgiving at this point, and oh, I can't wait. I am going to demolish turkey. I am <laughs> excited. Um, I've got my game plan. Uh, Thanksgiving, I go into with a game plan. Um, I know exactly what I'm going to eat, how I'm going to eat it, where I'm going to eat it, and what order I'm going to eat it in. And I'm now I have been doing this. I haven't figured out what dessert I really want to eat this year. It's just so many good ones during Thanksgiving. But I think I'm favoring caramel pie. I know. You can't overdo it with the dessert because then you'll have room for the other stuff. Oh, it's, no. You just sit there long enough. It's <laughs> Thanksgiving. You don't have to go anywhere after you eat. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had caramel pie. You've never had caramel pie? Mm -mm, no. Ooh, Miss Katie, as much as you like your sweets. I know. I've never. I don't think I've ever had it, though. Mm, it <laughs> is so good. You've never had caramel pie either? <sighs> Uh, we need to pray for you all this morning. Uh, I've had butterscotch pie, and that's good. Is that good? Really good, yeah. That's uh, Ethan's favorite. That sounds good. Do you like caramel? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to make a caramel pie. <laughs> it's, I don't, it's pretty easy to do. Does you just, just Heather make it? Um, either one of us can make it. She makes it a little bit better than I do. But <laughs> you, you really can't mess up caramel pie because you just take condensed milk and you boil it. And then you just pour it out once it becomes caramel and let it set up in the refrigerator and then put your whipped cream on top. I've, I've seen videos where people were doing that with sweet condensed milk and it blew up all over the ceiling. <laughs> well, if you, there is secrets you got to do. Uh, let's see. Um, you've got to make sure you don't do it too long. And once the water gets boiling, you kind of got to level it out and just keep it that same temperature and you don't want to get it too hot. Something like that. I don't remember. But it takes about four hours um, to make it. So, but it is oh, it is worth every 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 second of it um, because you really don't do anything. It's really easy to do. I can't I can't say it's hard to make. I, you say four hours, but literally you just boil the water, and then after that, it's kind of like leave it, leave it. And every once in a while, I think maybe you go and move them around a little bit just to move it. But I don't even know if you do that. It's it's probably the easiest dessert you could ever make. Um, but of course, for me, I think um, the caramel pie is probably a must. And then I'm thinking, you know, this time of the year, I think pretty soon me and the kids going to have a Christmas cookie making day. I'm no good at it. But I'm thinking about getting a bunch of different color icings and, and just do a Christmas cooking day. Because I love cookies too. But I'll need Miss Joanne's recipe. Have you ever had Miss Joanne's cookies? She uh -huh. makes really pretty cookies. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. Um, I think the last time that we done that with the kids, Josh helped um, decorate the cookies, I'm pretty sure. But that's been a while ago. Josh decorated them? How'd that I go? I think he did help with, with the girls, but that was like, I don't know, maybe like 2019. It's I thought you were going to say 20 years ago. I was like, I don't think your girls are 20 years old. <laughs> no. No, no, no. But it, it's been a few years ago, though. Yeah. yeah. When the kids were over this weekend, we made homemade ice cream sandwiches with cookies. Really? That's so we baked chocolate chip cookies, let them sit up in the fridge, and then put ice cream that sounds on good. them. It was good. That does sound good. It was really good. I know Eliza was sending me pictures of um, the charcuterie, charcuterie board. board. 
Yeah. Did you all make a charcuterie yeah. board? <laughs> Which is funny because I didn't actually buy stuff to make it. I didn't plan to make it, but we found a bunch of stuff that I already had and made it. So it was fun. I think she was excited about it because I got pictures galore from the charcuterie board. <laughs> it was really funny. It was during the tournament day. That's what we had for lunch. And Eliza called Nolan while he was up here playing with the kids. And she said, um, Nolan, there's a charcuterie board here. You might want to come eat it. And then Nolan was playing with his friends and we heard them in the background. Like we heard Audrey and some other ones. And then he said, um, all right, guys, I gotta go eat a charcut. He said it wrong. I can't. I can't remember how he said the <laughs> charcuterie board. He's like, all right, guys, I'm I'm leaving. I have to go eat this charcuterie board. <laughs> Nella so probably doesn't know what a charcuterie board is. I don't even think he did. He's like, all right, see you later. And then he just started riding his bike over. I don't. I didn't know what a charcuterie board was until your all's wedding, <laughs> and it was a well, really. The only thing he ate off of it was, I think, the cheese and. I can't even. Oh, the grapes. Just cheese and grapes. That's all he ate. Well, we, we're thinking about changing the name of the broadcast to um, Foods and Bible with Mornings <laughs> with Ox 2 Radio. Um, we always have to talk about food. At this point, it's almost part of the broadcast because people people talk to me about food so much. And so you I got to carve out like the first 10 minutes for it and then. Yeah. Now, it up. Heather did try something new this last weekend, and I didn't try it, but um, she did. Had too much green stuff on it for me. Uh, but it was a burger made out of bison. So it was actually a bison burger, and she said it was really good. So I didn't try it, but you she know, did. I think that um, actually Josh and I have had that, but it's that's been years ago, too. Like, Do you remember if you liked it? Maybe. I don't know what year that was, like 2009. <laughs> um, yeah. It was yeah. good. Heather liked it. And then she had bison chili. And yeah. she liked that a lot too. His cousin lives in Shepherdsville and they have like this get together up there. They used to every year. And um it was like a wild game mm-hmm. um like get together kind of thing. So they had like um moose and bison and Did they order the stuff in from somewhere? Did you eat I moose? don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm thinking wrong. Maybe it was moose burger. It was one of the two. Uh, it was one of the two. I love moose. I don't know if I could eat a moose. Those <laughs> things were so cool. They're I want really big. Yeah, they they were. I don't know the grizzly bear. I liked a lot, but I think the moose was my favorite. I don't know why I liked them so much. They just kind of looked at you like, "How you doing?" Like you know, it's just what if if they could talk, I'm sure that's what they would say to me. <laughs> and it was it was I love the moose, but. Um, there was a food question I was going to from the bison. Oh, yeah. I did try something new this weekend. Um, it was at a restaurant, and this was my favorite thing, and I'm trying to figure out how to make them at home. They were called fried macaroni and cheese bites. You ever had those? Uh-huh. I have. I've heard of it, but They're I never pretty good. them. Yeah. They have them actually at Arby's now. They were good. They had them at Arby's? Yeah. Well, Heather's always was the kids always want to go to Arby's, so maybe I'll have to go now. <laughs> but then we give you four of them. Yeah, I know this restaurant gave me five or six, and you don't even want to know what we paid for them as an appetizer. <laughs> I was expecting like Texas Roadhouse kind of pile that joker up, and <laughs> I think the yeah. ones at Arby's are like maybe four dollars, yeah. something like that. Well, we we went to the the first restaurant we went to when we got there. It was a nice looking restaurant. But it was nothing like wowzers, like, whoa, this is amazing. Um, and we get in there, and we had no idea 
what we were getting ourselves into. And it was like, it may have even been a five-star restaurant. Like it was the real deal fancy. And, and I was just like, well, there goes our food budgets. First meal. <laughs> That's nothing. No more eating the rest of the trip, honey. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> and so, but it was, it was really good food, but. Was it one of those restaurants where they don't even list the price on the menu? <laughs> Some of them wasn't. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I, I'm not, I'm not, or never have bought alcohol from a restaurant like ever. So, you know, you go to like a restaurant like Roadhouse or something like that. You peek around at it, but it's nothing like, wow, that's expensive. I was peeking around. There's prices because I just wanted to see what these people are actually paying that's sitting next to me. Like, it was a lot. Like, there was one thing was like one glass of something was like hundred and seventy five dollars. Oh my god! And I'm like, who can afford that? Like, in this movie stars. Here I am sitting here thinking that, like, we paid like sixty bucks for like two hamburgers and macaroni and cheese bites. Now, <laughs> you all both have ate with me before. You know how many cokes I drink. They didn't tell me there was no refills. Oh, it's not free refills. And oh. it was five dollars a glass of Coke. How now, many refills did you get? The waiter had mercy. <laughs> that would be Josh. Uh, oh my goodness. It was awful. Um, <laughs> it was awful. So honestly, he only charged me for one Coke. I was like, thank oh. you, thank you. We I, get to eat again. <laughs> I think it's either Cheddar's or Roadhouse that does that for like the special drink, like the lemonades or something. Yeah. That's not like free refills. Yeah. 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 Well, all I know is we found a restaurant after that. It was called Sidewinders, and it was really good, and it was more like our price range, and we just ate there the rest of the trip. Because breakfast is already covered because our hotel did all-you-could-eat breakfast, and they had all-you-could-eat sausage, bacon, eggs, toast, pancakes. So it was a really good breakfast. So that was covered. We ate the other restaurants. We didn't We didn't try no more of those off-fancy things. So if- We would have sat down. Ethan would have opened the menu. We would have been out the door in two seconds. <laughs> is, is it Ethan the tight one? Yep. He's the banker. <laughs> Ethan would be like, you want to split the macaroni and cheese bites? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we would be... Ration. We would have our forks and our tiny little uh, bites on our plates. <laughs> That'd be our fancy dinner. Like, this was like a place, though, that... When they got, when you got there. Now, me and Heather were still confused about this. So if somebody can enlighten how they do this, I, I'm very interested. They sit you down, and they, they set a glass, empty glass in front of you, and then they bring this pitcher of water. It looks like a flower vase. And they pour your water into it, and that's not the fancy part. It, I mean, it was kind of cool because they left me a pitcher of water there. But maybe I should drink that more than the Cokes. Um, but... That water's just sitting in a pitcher of glass, and it stays ice cold the whole time we eat. Hmm. Is there a secret? Was it know. had no ice in it? No. There was no ice in the water. Hmm. But it was literally ice cold. I mean, we were there for a good 45 minutes, probably. And by the time you left, it was still cold. Hmm. And I've never seen water in a pitcher stay that cold with no ice or anything else. And it's like... It's like if you poured it, it's like you're on ice. Maybe their water's different. <laughs> well, actually, I am thoroughly convinced of that because they don't. You don't do water in plastic jar bottles over there. You do water in aluminum cans, and you take it off for recycling purposes. They're huge on recycling. Like, 
Um, I mean, like, like huge on it. And so you drink, and I have a couple of them as souvenirs because they have like all these Grand Teton National Park designs and all this. But their water, I'm not kidding you, did taste different. Was I'm it better? F- yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't even like water. I drink water over there. And probably because probably I couldn't afford the Cokes anymore. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> You had to learn to love it. No, but I have heard that uh, great value drinking water, the pH is off. And it's not actually as hydrating as other water. So that's why a lot of people get like core water and like different waters because those they've balanced the pH and put all the nutrients in it that it's supposed to have. Problem is you got strength. I, I, water. I'm not a picky water drinker. I love water, but I'll drink any kind of water. Yeah, that's how I am. Like I never would have noticed that it was different, you know. But yeah. apparently it is. I mean, I I do think that different waters taste different, but I'll still drink it. <sighs> well, I'm not a water drinker. Um, but I did drink it, and that would be cool though to like try water in different places like that and see how different. Was, I really wanted to drink straight from like the creek. Yeah, I did like because it's really purified and crystal clear, and but I don't know if it's allowed, so I didn't do it or not. But I'm I don't want to try to kick out of the park or anything. But it did look it looked uh, appetizing. Well, <laughs> is that what you use whenever you talk about drinking? Probably not. I don't know. I don't know. Miss Katie, you're smart. What, what word do I use here? Enticing. Looked I enticing. like that. I was going to say looked refreshing. good. Refreshing. It looked gooder than what we had. Yeah, normally a, for a drink, you would say refreshing. 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 Looked refreshing. It looked enticingly refreshing. <laughs> I mean, you have to break the ice to get to it, but it looked really good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got any announcements? Uh-huh. Besides Thanksgiving's coming? That's the most important one, so we can just... Yep. Um, we... I don't think so. Yeah. <clears throat> now, we I don't need, have many... Annou- like, people haven't reached out to give many announcements lately. I need I need help from the, the family this morning. I am... Me and Heather was talking last night. I'm thinking about getting... Well, my deep fryer that I usually for my turkey... It messed up last year, and I actually had to go borrow Mr. Todd's and cook the turkey in that. So I'm getting a new turkey fryer, so I have to because we always fry turkey because I think it's the best way. The only way I think I'd rather do it is to dig a hole, and I think I'd like to try that one time where you dig the hole, you start a fire, and then you bury the turkey. Josh and his friends done that one time with um, a pig. Was it good? I don't know. Again, that's been so many years ago. I want to try oh that gosh. one time. Like 2008, maybe. But what I need help with is... Like 15 years ago. I'm thinking about buying a outdoor fish fryer as well. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you do? You bury it? Oh, the turkey? Yeah, you wrap the turkey. Or it's like called like uh, something pit. Pit something. Yeah, it is really good. I've heard it's really good. Sorry, I've heard it's really good. But you... you you dig a hole, and I guess you put charcoal or something down at the bottom. It seems like a lot of work, though. Yeah. And I do remember that it took a long time, which that's the whole pig, though. So I, I guess a turkey would take a lot less time. But I, I remember at one point they dug it up, and it wasn't done, and they had to put it back. Yeah. you, you um, I think it takes like a day or so, even with a turkey. But you wrap the turkey in tinfoil, and... Make your you got to really wrap this one, 
because then you set the turkey over the fire under the ground and then you take dirt and bury it and you just leave it and let it cook i've never heard this yeah um, they do it with pigs they do it with boston butts and all these other things too um but i am thinking about buying a, a fish fryer because um well i mean that fish that you all made at your place that one time was awesome yeah now like, we had borrowed um robert's deep fryer and he has like a big one it's got like three fryers uh but we do have a small one uh, that we use for fish too yeah but it cooked a lot at one time like me and Josh Mattingly were still um, breading fish, and Josh was getting done with the fish, and we had mounds and mounds of fish. Yeah. My hands were blistered from uh, wow. breading fish, yeah. I'm kind of looking at one, because you can also make anything you can deep fry outside. So yeah. I'm looking at one. I'm, I'm interested, because I'm was i getting ready to have to go pick one up, a turkey fryer again, because, well, mine broke last year. And so I was looking at that because they had those there as well. So I was like, Heather, you want a fish fryer? She goes, a what? <laughs> I said, a fish fryer. And she goes, you don't even fry fish because I don't have a fish fryer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much I just want one to make the hush puppies that you all made. Yeah, hush puppies are good. Yeah, yeah. but, and then, you know, usually at a place, whenever there's hot fish, they tell you before you ate. <laughs> nobody told me there was a difference in the breading so here i'm just like oh that's a good crispy piece that's a good crispy piece and i'm not used to hot stuff so i'll bit into one and thing everybody's really everybody's like what's well, not even that hot i said it is to me <laughs> that's why i jumped in the pool <laughs> you think captain d's would be the only place jesus would eat in litchfield uh no that de <laughs> definitely um i mean subway's got to be healthy that's he'd have to eat a sandwich and he could have beef. I think he'd like the fish. I don't know. Jesus could have beef. That's nothing wrong with it. Um, I mean, he could eat bacon, I'm sure. Because somehow, I don't know how this is happening, but I'm I'm trusting the Lord that there's going to be bacon in heaven. Somehow, I don't know. It's just going to be there. I don't know how it's going to be there. I'm just going to be like, Lord, where's the bacon? <laughs> where's the bacon? All right, we're in uh, Hebrews. Uh, we'll get into some spiritual, spiritual, th other spiritual, spiritual things. Um, we talked about the natural food, and so if Jesus any, did love food though. But my question is, if anybody would recommend me to get a fish fryer, <laughs> I need some help for my wife, you know, to con you know, so I can be very convincing with this purchase. Ethan said Jesus can redeem Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan, Ethan, tell Hannah or not if you think I should get a deep uh, fish fryer. Ethan, if I <laughs> bought a fish fryer, would you come eat my fish? Oh, That's he the question. Would. He would. He'd probably come help you make it. Miss Katie, if I bought a but fish fryer, would y'all eat my fish I made? The work is catching the fish and and doing all that because Josh and his brothers fished, and I think we got some fish from Josh Mattingly too. Um, but it takes a while to fish for all that and cut it up and skin it could i just buy fresh that? fish somewhere i don't know i don't know how that works i'll i'll buy the fish <laughs> <laughs> to, i'm sure I'll just to talk to, to captain d see what they do <laughs> where y'all get your fish from <laughs> <laughs> i think captain d's uh used to they said that they used to cut their fish fresh every morning and they but they don't do that anymore so what kind what? of fish did y'all use 
Uh, there was some catfish, but it was a lot of crappie, I think, and mm. um, maybe bluegill. I don't remember. I don't remember exactly. All right, if if I buy the fish fryer and do all the cooking, I need somebody to help me out and do the catching. Uh, <laughs> if you do the catching, I'll do the cooking. Um, my brother Jacob loves to fish. He's pretty right. good. He's really good at it. He can do he the catch. Like he would like to fish and hunt. He can do yeah. the catching. Hannah can do the cleaning. Oh. Hannah and Heather can get I the cleaning. I can catch too decently. Decent. Uh, <laughs> I love this. We are the fishermen for the Lord, so get the fryer. Oh, I love that. That's, that won the debate right there. That won the debate. Who said that? <laughs> I love it. All right, we're in Hebrews chapter 6. we got to get into spiritual matters now. Miss Katie says she didn't wake up early to come talk about food. She's ready to talk about the Bible. Um, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 6 here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6 is probably is a, it's the most talked about chapter in Hebrews by far. And there's a lot going on here, and I'm not going to be surprised if this doesn't take us weeks to get through, because there is a lot to unpack in this. But he says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. Now, to understand what he's saying here, you have to go back to five, where he's talking about, what did we talk about yesterday? Leaving it spiritual immaturity. So he said, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. So here he's actually telling us, leaving those things that are, are that are the initiation, what originally has taken place, the elementary things. He said, we're going to start going on to perfection. Now, what the writer of Hebrews here is saying is not, you know, we're going on to perfection as we know it. It's we're going on to maturity. We're going to grow up. And the writer here is really, um, let's see here. This portion of the text is the one part that I could get behind Paul being the writer. Because this does sound something like Paul would be writing. Because if you go over to, again, per se, the Corinthian church, he, like, chapters 5, 6, and 7, he's dealing with sin and their immaturity. I mean, he's dealing with sin to such a point. We talked about this with the kids yesterday. and um, You know, he's actually kicking people out of the church. He's telling them have no company with somebody who's living in open sin. Uh, he's telling them basically, you know, you got to repent and grow up. He's ba- he's pretty hardcore. He's dealing with marriage and issues and that. He's dealing with the the guy he's having an affair with his mother in law or stepmother. However, you want to interpret the Greek there, it's a little bit dicey. It's one of the two. He's dealing with um, them supposed to be giving. Um, to the poor in Jerusalem, and they're just not. He's dealing with all of that, and he's telling them basically, you need to grow up. So for for the writer of Hebrews to be Paul in this section, I almost could see it because he's this writer's not pulling any punches, and he's saying it's time that you grow up. And we probably need more of that discussion in the mirror in the mornings and probably more of that discussion on Sunday mornings. Yeah, that's true. Um, <clears throat> we, need, we need more of that authority and <clears throat> backbone in the church, I think. The whole the church as a whole. Yeah. Um, but there is, we've kind of become society, though, if you think about it. Like, if you take church out of the picture just for a second, and you just go to society, as a society, we're actually very immature. 
Mm-hmm. If you look at it, like 25, 30, 40 years ago, we just rolled our sleeves up and got to work. Or if there was a situation, we dealt with it. Nowadays, our go-to is to ignore it. Our go-to is to push it to the side. That's that's in all all spectrums of life, like from the government to the the kitchen table. We don't like to confront anything, but maturity is dealing with issues and solving problems. It's consistency. It's emotional stability. It's um, we've we've got our act together, as they you know, as some people would say. <clears throat> and I'm not saying we're perfect. I'm just saying we're grown up. And you look at the world today. And I would say that's a characteristic that the world really wouldn't be characterized living with. Mm-hmm. Um, 2020, like you take take the COVID out of the picture for a minute and you remember all the riots and you remember all the yelling back and forth. That was immaturity. Like there was no other way around it. That's just immaturity. That's babies having fits about something. Because if you want to have a real discussion about some of the issues and some of the situations that happened that were unjust or maybe done wrong that's maturity let's sit down at a table have discussions politically you want to sit down at a table and reasonably talk about things and find solutions instead of name calling name calling and running nasty campaigns that's called maturity mm-hmm. but what we've seen for a long time probably the last eight to ten years and it's come from the leadership down is immaturity and the reason I think it's in the world so bad is it actually first started in the church because the natural follows the spiritual. And because preachers started to do what we would call seeker-sensitive churches that demanded nothing from anybody, that immaturity started to manifest in the natural because it first sowed itself in the spiritual. Yeah. Well, if you look at it in years in years past up to now, they've, everybody's gotten further and further away from the Word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and the further you get away from it, the worse off you'll be. Yeah, and then there's so much twisting of the word too, because right. people will like use a Bible verse, or they'll they'll literally like use a concept from the Bible and not even realize it's from the Bible, mm-hmm. and then they'll go and like s- like speak against the Bible, but then they don't even know that some yeah. of the things that they believe are from the Bible. Mm-hmm. So it's. Yeah. Uh, You know, for for an example is if anybody tries to, like, if somebody came up to me and corrected a sin that I was in or engaging in a sin, my go-to response today as an American Christian is, don't you judge me. Only God knows my heart, right? And we'll go back to Matthew, judge not lest you be judged with the same judgment. So this is where we leave it. So here's what we take the word, because we really don't want to correct anything in our life, because then we're going to be called legalistic. And legalism and holiness looks a lot alike. A lot of it's just the motivation of your heart. Because I'm not trying to live a holy life to be saved. I want to live a holy life because my dad is really holy, and I want to be like him. And here, though, we say, judge, don't you judge me. You have no right to judge me. The scripture says not to judge me. But if you actually look at the context, that judgment he's talking about there is written to hypocrites. That's the whole context of what he's writing to. He's talking to hypocrites, and he actually goes down and tells even the hypocrites here, you're trying to to get the speck out of your brother's eye when there's a plank in your own eye. But what's he actually tell them after that? He says, before you remove the speck from your brother's eye, get the plank out of your own eye. 
he actually never tells them not to remove the speck. Mm -hmm. He's actually telling them to remove the speck from the brother's eye. He says, you just need to stop being a hypocrite and first get the plank out of your own eye. And so, you know, if you even look at the context there, like as believers, we are to grow and edify and iron sharpen iron. Now, we're not supposed to be harsh, mean, condemning, or derogatory in doing it. it. The intent of building the body of Christ is never with a sword. It's always with a drill. And it's always with a hammer, never, never a sword. Because we're not going out to kill each other. We're going out to build each other. And when you're going out to build each other, even with your kids, if your kids do something wrong, Hannah and Ethan got their first probably real taste of parenthood this weekend. <laughs> if your kids are doing something wrong, you can't always come in there with the with with the the rod. You spoil the you spare the rod, you do spoil the child. I, I do believe in spanking. But I don't believe everything calls for a spanking. I think you have to learn how to build. And even if you have to spank, I think at that point you've got to make sure you're showing why you're spanking. And what is the correct response or corrective response to the situation that got him? You can't just spank him and say, there you go. That's your punishment. Like spank, you, if they deserve a spanking, spare the rod, spoil the child. I'm all behind that. But even as parents, we've got to edify and teach. So if you have to correct your kids, you better also be teaching your kids the correct way. Because I've seen a lot of times in stores, and I can't say I've never done this because sometimes you're just frustrated, stressed out, and busy. But you're in a store and your kids won't be quiet and you just turn around and say, shut up, okay? Well, you got your point across. But the only thing your kids heard at that moment is shut up. So they don't know, well, is that just now? Because maybe if they're 12 or 13, 14 years old, they know I shouldn't be doing this, acting this way. Anyways, but if they're like four, five, six, they don't know. So once you get them to be quiet, then you sit there and try to be like, okay, now, this is why you can't act like this. Maybe you can have that conversation in the car. Um, I'm pretty strict with my kids, like out in public and stuff. I don't, if we're at Walmart, they're not running around and screaming. They're going to walk with us. They're going to help us. They're going to be like this. When I take other kids with me somewhere, and, and I'm, I mean, the kids are with me. So before we go in, I say, okay. I said, this is how Wilson's act in the store. And if you're with the Wilson, so you're going to act like this today. And I do that with almost any kid I have with me. And uh, Paisley Miller cracks me up because they're like, all right, Paisley, we're going to the restaurant. I know, Uncle Aaron. She calls me Uncle Aaron. I don't know why. Um, she goes, okay, Uncle Aaron, I know. I can't be crazy in here. <laughs> and so she goes, I know. Um, but, but, you know, it's our responsibility with kids and those that we've been tasked the responsibility with not just to correct, but to actually build and produce too. And that's the same way with the body of Christ. And I think this is what here the writer of Hebrews is getting ready to say here is, let's leave these elementary discussions and let's start moving on to perfection. So got a minute or two we can spare if anybody else wants to go anything. Good. All right, we'll do our first trivia question of the morning this Wednesday, beautiful early morning. Is it supposed to storm today? I had an alert going off earlier about like severe weather, but nothing would pop up, so I didn't know. I don't know. I I have not looked at the weather. I haven't either. But I mean, the Weather Channel for me, my app was saying weather alert for Litchfield, Kentucky, but I think that was wrong. Oh, I know why. 
I'm still getting weather for Wyoming. So. Clouds <laughs> do not look cloudy. Yeah. No, it's um, actually it was for Litchfield. Oh, uh, enhanced fire danger this afternoon. So don't be burning anything. That's what it was. Are we? Uh oh. All righty. Don't burn. And burn for Jesus. Just don't burn wood today outside. All right. For Wednesday, question number one, sponsored by the Sicilian Bank. How many men have bound themselves by an oath to fast until they had killed Paul? How many men had bound themselves by an oath to fast until they had killed Paul? 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All righty, no answer yet for the trivia question, but we are working on it. So if you get an answer for this, how many men had bound themselves by an oath to fast until they had killed Paul? Uh, that's a good question. We're going to get it. I know we're going to get it in Jesus' name. I have one person who is for me getting that fish fryer, so I need some more help. Did, did Ethan ever say anything, Hannah? Did he say if he come eat my fish? Oh, my gosh. Oh, Miss Katie, would you eat my fish if I made fish? I like fish. He would yeah. eat it. He would. He just hasn't said anything. I know he would, though. He really likes fried catfish. Yeah, but I got to get it at a store somewhere. <laughs> I I don't know. Like, is it hard to cl clean a fish? Probably. Uh, I've never done it, but I've I've seen Josh and his brothers do it, and it doesn't look very fun. Oh, Ethan said he would. He confirmed it. Mm -hmm. They have, like, these special knives and stuff i don't know <laughs> it, you have to like i don't know but the, maybe they, they put them in salt or something salt water salt water yeah well so everyone fishy i do want to get this out there out. before i forget um so for the prize that greg donated for the three kids and two adults to go to the ark encounter so he donated that prize for oh, the trivia. Wow. For the trivia winner. Um, so that that prize is going to be drawn for not this Friday, but um, the two weeks after next week. Because it'll be we will be on the broadcast for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday with mornings with box two, and then we'll be back that ne after Thanksgiving for that two weeks. And after that two weeks is when the drawing will be. That's an awesome so I, I apologize to anyone I might have misled in the, the drawing being earlier than that, but keep calling in. I said, hey, if you've already called in for it, just keep getting practice because that's the best. It's going to be yet. competitive. Yeah, best prize. <laughs> yeah, so. so we'll have a prize drawn this Monday. I mean this Friday, and then like Hannah was saying, we'll add a two and a half week. So basically, it'll be a three week drawing. And during three week drawings, usually you're allowed to get your name in three times. Being such a good prize, we're only going to do two times because it is only two days. It's like it's only it's basically still two yeah, weeks. It's not much over two weeks. So, um, yeah. so we'll we'll do that. The Ark Experience tickets. That's going to be awesome. Um, I'm missing a day, so I can call and get an answer. <laughs> He's going to have Heather calling in every day. Uh, uh, Josh says you would love cleaning fish. I'll catch a lot for you. So like <laughs> the I 
I've Did, seen them clean. Now, his brother is very good at fishing. He does, like, fishing tournaments in Illinois, and so he can clean them pretty good. And I think Josh is pretty good at it. Now, Justin uh, Justin could help. Justin Just, Hatcher? Justin loves to fish, I think. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Um, so, so. Josh, Josh Newton, do you support my – my fish fryer purchase. Um, <clears throat> Man. So I need, I need some confirmation. I'll, um, I need Josh Newton to tell me if he supports my fish frying purchase. And or then, then Miss Heather's going to, Miss Heather's going to be like, what? <laughs> We've got a turkey fryer, a fish fryer. Yeah. Well, this could be an early Christmas present. Are you wanting like a smaller one or like a huge? Like, well, I found, I found one. a cl- cart one. Like, I've had good, a cart I've, one, like I've had good wheels? success from the ones, like the turkey fryer. Yeah. Um, Mr. Todd's came. I think Mr. Todd's was like the boiler, the crawfish one. But you can do a turkey in those. They're just really big. I think. Um, I think his may be in the one from Academy. Mm-hmm. And so I, the the turkey fryer, I guess, I think is the one from Academy because the reviews are really good. And either that or I'm gonna ride up to Cabela's and get one. Um, but. They had a dual burner cart, fish frying cart. And so, um, <clears throat> got an answer for this trivia question. Um, here we go. Anna, can you cover it for a second? I got to mm-hmm. answer the phone. Yep. Um, okay. So, my one of my many sisters, <laughs> you do um, have a lot of sisters, I have a lot of them, but one of them um, today is delivery day for her newest baby. Uh, baby Brooks. So, if oh. if you all wouldn't mind joining me in prayer, uh, my mom asked to keep her in prayer that everything goes well with the delivery. Yeah. If if it, I guess they induce her today. I guess that's how it, mm-hmm. how it works. Is this is the day that was scheduled for that? So I think she's going in for that. So is she already <clears throat> there? I think so. I think she would already be there. Um, but we're just gonna pray for a smooth delivery, and for every for the Lord to protect um to bring protection to Amen. her and the baby so Amen. lord we just thank you so much for this new life um that you have brought to the family lord we thank you so much um for becca and for drew and we just um pray that you would protect her protect the baby baby brooks um from um, any complications in in the delivery lord and i just pray that you would your peace would be there um and your comfort and that there would not be any anxiety or fear or any complications lord and we just trust you with this um delivery with this baby and with this life and and, um, i pray that this baby would be dedicated to you for all of his days and that he would be a mighty warrior for the kingdom we love you we thank you in jesus name amen amen all righty. Well, we're going to move into some Bible Q&A this morning because we didn't get to it yesterday. We had a great discussion. I loved yesterday very much. Um, so we're going to move into some Bible questions. Uh, the first question on the table, was Apollos considered an apostle? Um, was Apollos considered an apostle? Now, Apollos was a... Um, he was a guy that was going around teaching and preaching. Some considered him apostolic, some didn't. <clears throat> I would probably, by the end of his day, consider uh, Apollos kind of more apostolic than not, for sure. Now, did we ever have him called an apostle or see where he gave himself evidence to be his apostle? No. But 
I think he probably had a lot of influence. And the reason I think he had a lot of influence is even in the Corinth church. Um, you remember whenever they said some were of Paul, some were of Cephas, some were of Apollos, and some were of Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, Apollos was named among Paul, Peter, and Christ. So that's really good company to keep. Yeah. Um, and then even, you know, even another part, it says Paul sowed Apollos water, but who gives the increase? God. And so Apollos was instructed in the better way. I think Apollos grew in his faith. Apollos grew, matured, and... He was an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. Yes. Acts tells us. And so it's a tricky question because the scripture never lays out whether he's an apostle or not, but I think it probably gives us insight that he was pretty apostolic. Mm-hmm. And and so, um, I don't know. What's your all's opinion? I would say definitely. Mm-hmm. If, yeah. From everything that's mentioned, and, you know, someone who is in that apostolic, they have to be strong in the scriptures. And um, right. the fact that he tra- traveled with Paul and did ministry with Paul, but also was mentioned like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I want. I was looking something up. <clears throat> and if he's doing ministry with Paul, then he has to be. Even if he's not like going by that title, he has to be learning how to operate in it. Yeah. Um, Apollos, no doubt, was a guy who knew the scripture very well. He was able to preach. He went to Ephesus and and taught. Um, he was Paul's friend. He was a church leader. All these things were definitely noted about Apollos. And I'm okay with saying he was apostolic. The question, though, was he an apostle? It, I, I wanted to double-check, make a scripture, didn't say or not, but I don't think it ever mentioned if he was considered an apostle or not. But he definitely was seemingly apostolic in nature of birthing and maturing and leading the church and and so I'm okay with it. I I just want I don't want to say scripture says he was. Right. And I don't even know if history ever records. I think Catholic theology Yeah, that's kind of what I was. Um I think it here. did name him among the 70 apostles. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what I just read. Yeah. The Catholic Church eventually did name him among the they yeah. they label their apostles a little bit different than we did. But. Yeah, it says Apollos is regarded as a saint by several Christian churches including the Lutheran Church. Yeah. I mean, he definitely had enough influence in the church that he's named with Peter and Paul. I mean, now... That's a pretty big deal. Now, Paul was kind of rebuking them because he was like, you know, you all are following me, Peter, and Paulos equal to Christ, and that's a no-no. But if he had so much influence, he was being named among them. That probably means he probably was very authoritative and um, people really respected, honored and look to him as a leader. So, <clears throat> but Apollos always wasn't like that. You know, he had to be instructed to kind of in the better way. He had to be mm-hmm. taught a little bit and he was grasping for straws at time. And, um, was, was he taught by Priscilla and Aquila? Mm-hmm. That's I what I was thinking. So, yeah. And so, um, <clears throat> I don't know. Good question. Uh, I would like to know, and I don't even know like if where in history recorded or even if per se Josephus would have covered it. But I kind of would like to know maybe some behind-the-scenes details of Apollos and where he went and what he did. 
Um, for example, like the, the guy that was delivered from Legion at the Gerasenes. Um, history will record, some Jewish history records that he later become a almost apostolic f- figure himself and started planting churches and growing them in the area and developing them. Wow. And so like, but that's secular Jewish history. So, yeah. you know, that's not early church fathers necessarily saying this. So I don't know if early church fathers like Origen and stuff like that would have covered anything about Apollos. Um, I've never read through the antiquities. And so it's a lot of reading and I can't, it's like 14 or 15 books in the antiquities is a huge historical undertaking from early church fathers. Um, and you pretty much t- to work through the, through those, you're pretty much going to be in school and doing it as a class. Like it's a lot of work to work through the antiquities. It's kind of like working through the institutes of Christian religion from John Calvin. It is, it's huge. And you may piddle around in them, but if anybody's ever done that and knows any secular history upon Apollos, maybe um, I'd like to, I would like to hear it, and I would like to hear your source for it and where it comes from, because I've never taken the time to actually study into it, or probably have the time to study into the life of Apollos <laughs> um, outside of the scripture. But you it would ask be him very. When you get to heaven. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure Apollos is there. So you're. I, I was looking at your picture you showed yesterday of the kit, the lunch tables. Oh, yeah. And I couldn't pick which lunch table I want to be at. I know. It was so hard. Like, I said <laughs> one, and I was like, oh, no. But then, the, you know, it put all the disciples at one table. I know. So I, I wasn't that, yeah. thinking about John, but I would love to talk to John. But yeah. then it, there's just so many. There's just so many. Yeah. Um, mine, I don't know. Mine probably would be... Paul and Timothy. I think I sit at their table. For one, I would like to... Well, okay. Do I get to come back for the meeting? Like, is this just a brief one? Was this like <laughs> I sit into the third heavens and saw things that are unlawful, unlawful and for me to write about when I get back? Or am I staying at this lunch table forever? Oh, no. It said 30 minutes. So I get 30 minutes? Yeah, you get 30 minutes with them. If it's right now, I would pick Paul and Timothy because... I actually believe that Timothy was pastoring Ephesus probably about the same age I am. Because for Paul to have gone to Timothy and say, let no man despise thee for your youth, Timothy was definitely under 40 at that point. Mm -hmm. Because 40 is when a Jewish person transitioned from youth to older man. And so for Timothy to be told that he, most most of us believe he was probably somewhere in the mid-30s pastoring Ephesus. And that may not seem like a big deal, but Ephesus was an actually giant, influential, mature church. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're looking at, I think the Apostle John actually pastored at Ephesus for a while. Some history records. But, I mean, Mary, Jesus' mother, was there. So imagine pas- pastoring Jesus' mother at 35 years old. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I would love to have that talk, and then I would like to, like, I would like to hear Timothy and then, like, his spiritual father, Paul, who's the apostle among apostles, basically, mentoring him. And I would just love to hear this conversation. Um, that would be my lunch table I'm sitting at. Long as long as I come back. Now, if it's forever. No, no, it's just 30 minutes. I'd probably go with David because his life was pretty um, exciting. <laughs> and I, I mean, so what would you think about this? What was you thinking when you slung that rocket that glass head? I don't know. I don't know, Aaron. <laughs> So I don't know. No, right. you'd probably be talking most of the time about like, um, 
why do you i wonder if like we'll still have accents or i guess we'll just all speak the same oh language. i hope not i don't know but i was just thinking like they'd probably <laughs> that you'd probably be pronouncing his name wrong he'd be like huh who who hey <laughs> hey david I, i'm not david who? i'm david or something yeah. i don't know no you're david <laughs> We'll have to learn their Hebrew pronunciation. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Uh. <clears throat> All right. We'll move on to the second question this morning. Does Second Peter chapter 2, verse 22, talk of someone who has lost their salvation? Does Second uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 22, speak of somebody who has lost their salvation? If, let me get over there. If anybody's in there, you're welcome to read it. I'm working my way over there. Um, it says, but it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Mm-hmm. Well, I think to understand that verse, we're going to have to back up a few. Mm-hmm. Because we have to probably back up to 18, because this is talking about um, deceptions of false teachers. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if they, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they again come entangled in them and overcome the latter end is worse for them than the beginning for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteous than known it to turn from the holy commands commandment delivered to them <clears throat> but it has happened to them according to the true proverbs that's where we're at so again this is talking about people who have truly escaped the corruption now these false teachers are trying to bring them back in so I believe, and we'll have to unpack this a little bit more, so I want to make room for anybody else who wants the same thing shortly before the break. I think this is, I, I think we have to be careful to put like everyday sins onto this. This is not, I don't think, talking about somebody who stopped cussing and then started cussing again. All right, this is talking about somebody who knew the truth and were pers- persuaded or drawn away from somebody who was a false teacher. And they left the truth because of what they're being taught. So they were free in Christ, and now they put themselves back into the captivity and bondage. And I think this is what we have to actually unpack a little bit more. But I do think that, you know, a lot of people think that a false teacher has to be like someone at your church or someone that you're sitting under in a class. But there's many false teachers today on social media on you know there's so many different types of false teachers mm-hmm. there there definitely is <clears throat> but um we're going to unpack this a little bit more and when we come back um i'm going to go get a bacon egg and cheese sandwich <laughs> and miss katie and it's going to answer all the questions that you want for the rest of the morning is that right miss <laughs> katie i can try <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, she could do it. She could do it. She could do it. She's she's argued some points well. She still got me thinking about this hemisphere and stuff. Flutter. Oh. But you know, <laughs> when I was up on an airplane, there's parts of it didn't look too flat. 
But I'm just saying, I don't know. <laughs> just we'll never know for sure until we get up there to the Lord. <laughs> it might be the first question that I ask. Hey. <laughs> gather, gather everybody. Where's Josh? Where's Jacob? Where's Pastor Aaron? Gather the elders. Where's, where is everybody? Really important question, guys. <laughs> Heavenly meeting 101. Yeah. Oh my God! Miss, Can't you just imagine the Lord being like, "Really, uh, really, Katie? That's what you want to ask." Miss Katie's like, "Hey, where's the lunch table? I get to ask this question at. Where's that lunch table at? <laughs> yes. I went there. Please, I know. I was looking for Jesus. I'm like, dang it. Uh, you know, it was like Which uh, we can talk to Jesus at any time, but to be sitting right there with him, you know, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. We're gonna take more. We're gonna take a break after this trivia question. Uh, again, the first trivia question to get answered. We got talking. I'm sorry, Jason Lee got it right. How many men had bound themselves by an oath to fast until they had killed it? Killed Paul. More um, of them, more than forty. Acts twenty three, twenty through twenty one. So, congratulations, brother Jason Lee, on that. Wednesday question number two, sponsored by Higdon Land Surveying. Where was Jesus when he taught two people how the prophets predicted his death? Where was Jesus when he taught two people how the prophets predicted his death? We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. There's still no answer on this trivia question, but we'll get... Well, we're back here. Sorry, my mic wasn't on yet. We're back here, but... <clears throat> no answer to this trivia question yet, but we're getting there. We're going to believe for it in Jesus' name. Uh, where was Jesus when he taught two people how the prophets predicted his death? Where was Jesus located at? Geographically, where was he when he predicted when he predicted uh, two prophets? <clears throat> how the prophets predicted his death. I'm sorry, how the prophets predicted his death. All right, so we're talking about Second Peter chapter 2. And here he's talking, again, to false teachers who... While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption, for by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. Then he's talking about a people who have escaped the pollutions of this world. Now, what, through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, they again tangle themselves in them and overcome. So this is basically talking to a group of people who had been saved, and now they're going back into it. <clears throat> and now, that's the question. A dog returned his own vows, and a soul had been washed to her wallowing in the mire. And it had been better for them never to have known. So was it talking about a people who were saved and lost their salvation? I think so. What do you guys think? I I definitely think so. Boxy um, Radio is there. How am I helping? Lost, yeah. yeah, because if you go back... Um, no, um, see where was he at? Remember when he? Um, well, I mean, I think the question's kind of so worded. It says, a bit um, I was trying to word it better. Jesus was talking which to have people forsaken about the how right the way and are gone blessed, astray, following the way of Balaam the son of Besor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Yeah, yeah. So Balaam, yep. um, was a soothsayer. Yep. He was like. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think the question was worded a little bit confusing. Like a, so I was trying to help it. For the other side. <laughs> I was trying I to help it when I was reading. I was like, wait a second. Okay, so uh, yeah, I don't think people are going to know this. Divination. Um, yeah, that's But yeah, that's the road to Emmaus, that's right. And, um, um, that, thanks, brother. Appreciate it. was rebuked for his iniquity. Um, these are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest to whom the mist of darkness is reserved 
forever. So, I mean, that kind of tells you right there. For, for when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness. Those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome of the same, he is brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the word, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they again are entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're, they're entangled again. Like yeah. they freely gave them. This isn't somebody who... Now, this is where we always have to be careful because this is where we get, again, you're driving down the highway and you're trying to correct something. You overcorrect and then you take yourself into the trees and flip, right? We can't overcorrect. This is not talking about somebody who is born again and they struggle with something or there's an issue or maybe they're growing in sanctification but it's not arrived yet or something. You know what I'm saying? Like this is people who were once delivered, set free, walking in the victory of the Lord, who give themselves back over to the yeah. corruption of the world. It's kind of talking about um, being a false prophet and a false teacher. Like you you were once once out of the bondage and then you turned and became a false prophet and, yeah. a, and a false teacher. Is, is the way that I'm taking it. All, if I, you go all the way back up I think it, to well, verse the, 1. The New King James Version on my app breaks it up into two different sections. So... Like verse 12 through verse 17, it looks like it's talking specifically to the false teachers. Yeah. And then verse 18 down to our question verse. Talking about those that are following them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Yeah, because it says, now I'm back in the ESV, uh, verse 2, many will follow their sensuality and because of them, the way of the truth will be blasphemed. Wow. That's kind of what we're living in today. Many will follow their sensuality, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their mm-hmm. condemnation for long, from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, but if, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think um, we're on the right track. And I, Greg Carwile says he thinks they were converted but never born again. When you are born again, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. I think that, I personally think they were born again. Now, it looks like they were because it said they had escaped, they escaped they had the a, pollutions escaped of the world through yeah. the knowledge through the knowledge of the Lord. Yeah, it wasn't like they legally they they legalistically just escaped the pollutions. They escaped them how through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, not through their own ability or self righteousness. These are people who understood the truth. And another listener said, "Didn't Paul teach in Galatians also because believers left the gospel of grace to return to the law?" Yeah, and I think this is what's happening. I think these people are choosing to walk back into what they once knew. Yeah, and and they're and not only are they walking back into what they what they once knew, they are basically 
boldly going against God at this point. Um, it says, especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority, bold and willful. They do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Mm-hmm. It's... So would that be saying that their conviction is gone? Well, I think they're entangled. They, they've given themselves back over to the entanglement, and they have been overcome by it. And now the yeah. dog returned to its own vomit. Right. They have eyes full of adultery insatiable for sin. So the word insatiable, I mean, it means that you have such a desire for sin that that's all, you, that's all you're chasing after. Yeah. It, it can't be fulfilled. Yeah, but I think I think we've got to be careful not to miss probably the principle being taught here more than anything in this passage. Passage is that these were people who were once walking in the victory of the Lord, who because of a false prophet and a false teacher were swayed away. And so this is really important to make sure you know who you're listening to and that the person teaching you is from the Word, not from their own opinions and their own thing, because. You know, we can say what we want, but the people we hang out with, the people that we learn from, the people we allow speak into our life have a way bigger influence than you'd ever imagine. Yeah. This is why yeah. we take such um, time to teach our kids. Who you hang out with is who you become. Mm-hmm. And that's not changing when you're older. It kind of reminds me of, um, I mean, a lot of people watch TikTok, and there's a lot of false teachers and preachers on there. A lot. There's been one that I've been seeing coming up in my feed, and he teaches a fall the the most false gospel I've ever heard in my life. Um, and there, it's dangerous because there are a lot of people that agree with him, a lot of people that are following him, and it's kind of like what this is saying, like, um get just give in to your own give in to your own desires just do whatever you want to do kind of thing god's going to love you god's going to love you anyway mm. without repentance you know what i mean yeah. um so yeah yeah There's i do think it's important though when talking about this um topic that the lord ultimately is the one who decides Right. They're in game. Yeah. Like, because I think for a little while, and uh, Sia Taylor, she had a really good testimony on this because she was going, she openly shared that she was kind of like talking about celebrities and different ones who have sold their soul to the devil. And I know this is different because this isn't necessarily saying that they've sold their soul in this scripture. Right. Because I don't believe there is a really selling your soul. Like you will make, people make contracts with the enemy, but the Lord has the final say and he can, he can can take somebody, he He can can break break anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there was a principle there that she talked about in her testimony of, she was going around saying, Oh, well this person's like basically too far gone because they've sold their soul. And the Lord reminded her that, that no man has the final say of a person like the the even the fact that we have breath in our lungs and even people in this situation we we should still be praying for them because it's the lord's decision who is like too far you know like as long as someone has breath we should still be praying for them we shouldn't just be like oh well they're too far gone we're not going to pray for them anymore yeah, like, is this saying that they've lost their salvation, they can't get it back? I mean, I don't, 
I don't think there's any way for think. us to truly know that. Well, now Hebrews 6 is a scripture I've worked through for years now. It's hard. And this is why I said Hebrews 6, we may be in there for weeks. Because Hebrews 6 may be, and this is Philip Trent. Brother Philip Trent actually just called in, was telling me the same thing he believes. And I was actually pretty much going to go here because I think it's probably a fair parallel. Because in Hebrews 6, it talks about people who were enlightened, partook, tasted. I used to think that these were people who maybe got the Holy Ghost goosebumps, but never got the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm probably being swayed the other way a little bit through studying and diving deep into it. But it does say these people who partook, tasted, they fell away, and it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. That was the verbiage of Hebrews. It's impossible. So there... I feel like at that point that it would be somebody that was um, very deep into Christianity. Is that kind of what you're... I believe it. Yeah. This person that we're talking about here, I think, was what we would call a mature believer. Yeah. For is for, I, Well, actually, I'll call it out. I don't care. Joshua Harris wrote the book Kissing, uh, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And he was kind of like this up-and-coming... Next John Piper, I guess, in the reform circle. Like, he was going to be probably probably one of the most influential pastors as he grew up. And he was younger when he wrote this. And he was climbing the, the reform circles, very instrument in, um, influential, was really working his way into probably becoming one of the most influential of his time for his age generation. And then just a few years ago, he recanted the book first said, I should have never wrote that book. And then he come back, and if I'm not mistaken, I can confirm this, but he's left Christianity mm. completely. It kind of reminds me of, like, you see all these, like, um, deconstructionists yep. and ex-evangelicals. Those are the kind of people that come to mind mm-hmm. whenever I think of yeah. this. Like, you knew it, and you knew it very well. Like, you, you knew how good that the Lord was, and then... You left. You left, and yeah. and you are you are openly not not just left, like not just like backslidden, like kind you of have, what we would say. You are open at this point. You are openly blaspheming God. Like yeah. you are you are speaking against Him. You are in all of your ways. You are you have yeah. an insatiable desire for sin. We we say in theology we use the because we use the word you've utterly renounced or rejected the faith you once walked in. Right. It's not like a, yeah, I still believe in the yeah. Lord, but I'm, I'm really struggling. Kind this of is thing. utterly. Yeah. This you're is, out. You're speaking totally against it. and You're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. You're blaspheming. See, at this point, this would have to be a blaspheming the Holy Spirit yeah. moment for me. Because for you to reject the faith, this isn't somebody who says a D word when you die, in a, like you're in a car crash or something yeah. like this. This is somebody who's rejecting utterly the faith. And at that point, you're going to have to make some kind of thing for well, what about the times that you cried in church? Or what about the times that you shouted? And if you're telling me there is no God, then you blaspheme. If you're telling me that it was all fake, you blaspheme. And really, what are you blaspheming? The Holy Spirit that worked in you. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I do wholeheartedly because of Hebrews, and even here, like, he's telling us it was better It was better if you never heard the truth. Yeah. Yeah, it would be better for you on judgment if you've never heard, if you never even heard it before. Yeah. Because then you're going to be judged by basically the moral law. Yeah. Like you knew that there's a creator. But um, it kind of reminds me of, puts me to the mind of like 
this is the person that has a reprobate mind. I would say so because to me, this is almost, we teach there's an active and a passive judgment. The active, the active judgment of God is a light bulb striking you from heaven. The passive judgment of God is him turning over the reprobate mind. Mm -hmm. And the most dangerous one is really the passive. Yeah. Just letting you do whatever you want. Because you're being turned over. And it's just like, you just keep doing your thing and you're sitting there. And to me, like Matthew 7 are people that's being passively judged by God because they're just walking into eternity thinking they're okay. But he's going to say, I never knew you. But I do think here in Second Peter and Hebrews 6, there's a people that's going to know who their Christ is, who's going to utterly reject him. Now, Second Peter, somebody swayed them. We have no proof of that in Hebrews 6. They just kind of rejected and turned away. Mm-hmm. But at that point, I do think there's a part, there's a point you go to in this world where there's no comeback. Yeah, I really do believe that. It's hard to say because we talk about the grace of God and how beautiful it is and how great it is. But I do think there's a point if you utterly reject the faith, I think that's apostasy. And I don't think apostasy has happened just because you you sin. I no. think apostasy has happened because you reject the faith that you once did. It's, it's willful. Yeah. yeah. It's intentional and purposeful. Yeah. But see, my thing is like from a believer's standpoint of how to pray for these people. Because I don't think, I, I think the Lord could reveal to us who someone is in that. I mean, if the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us, it's just... I want to be careful not to just put that label on a, on. Well, a I would say people. I would say honestly, this is why I say when I preach about apostasy, it's real. I believe, but it's very rare. This is no easy thing. Mm-hmm. And I believe that you would know. You would know. I That's what I was going to say. I think discernment would tell you that. Yeah. This is. Well, I don't even know. Like, if I. There would be discernment there, but I think it's going to be very, very, very much. Um, these people would be very open. Yeah, this isn't a hidden thing. This would be very um, open and in your face, and yeah. you would know without a doubt, like, this is somebody who has turned from the faith. Yeah, like I said, I mean, you see it. There's several people that I've seen on uh, Facebook feeds and TikTok feeds that are that knew the Lord and they're openly rejecting him. Yeah. This is not somebody who had a failure and a pastor who had an affair. This is not a this is not somebody who's walked away from the Lord for a little while and just yeah. like, you know, I know the Lord, I just know I'm not living right. This is not those people. No. These these are blatantly they were once preaching the gospel behind the pulpit, seeing soul saved, now utterly rejecting and saying there is no Christ. Yeah. And at that point, you can pray till the cows come home, but if they have this mind, a reprobate mind, it's. I do think, as hard as it is to say, I do think there's a point of no return. And I think Hebrews 6 even relates to those people, that this is impossible. And the reason is not because God hates them or anything. They've given themselves over. Mm-hmm. Like the Lord allowed them to go over there. Yeah, because you have you have free will. Yeah, yeah. and they don't ever want to come back. Yeah. They're they're swayed. I mean, that's basically what Satan did. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what Satan did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. <clears throat> and so, these are hard passages to talk about, but they're passages we need to see. And I still think I want to go back to Second Peter in this and say, this all happened because somebody gave them their ear to somebody that was unholy. That's yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. And I think this is where it's really important. And here's one thing I want to say. I'm not naming Colin on this one. The other one is a very open case that a lot of people heard. I'm not named Colin on this one. But there's a very popular teacher in the world today. Very popular. And I'm, I'm using his illustration not to say that he is a reprobate mind or not. I mean, I think, I think there's good things and bad things about what he preaches. But if I was to say his name, every one of us would listen to his sermon before. Guarantee it. And in his sermons, he is such a gifted speaker that we don't even notice the intentional the, the misuse falseness. of Scripture. Yeah, yeah, that's a problem. And this is where we have to be very much on guard. And this is why it's important to read Acts and read the Bereans where they would go and study. Because millions and millions and millions and millions of people watches this guy's sermon. And he says stuff that is contrary to Scripture and God's character. And we overlook it because of his giftedness. And we all have done. I, I, if I said his name, every one of us listened to his sermons. I know it. Um, and this is where we got to be careful. Now, I, do I think he's a false prophet or false teacher? I don't, actually. I don't think he is. I think he's got bad theology. But I don't think he's intentionally leading people away from Christ. Um, I think he's leading people to Christ. I just think that his theology is really bad. And some of the stuff he teaches is, it's not essential to me. Um, now, one or two things he said is kind of borderline essential. But I feel like he's he's not so much a false prophet that will lead you completely away from Christ and make you become a reprobate. But he's also probably going to lead you some paths that's not healthy. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So I think even when we're dealing with false prophets and false teachers, I think we have to be cautious not to label everybody a false prophet, a false teacher who don't say something correct. Because there's been stuff I had to repent and recant of that I've said behind the pulpit or things I would have saw one way 10 years ago that I don't see now because we're all growing and we're yeah. all stretching. So I, we have to be careful in all of this. But if, if there's a preacher leading you away, like there was a person here, well, I wasn't here. But he got up there and said, the blood is only a symbolism. Well, I think Brother Ron cut him off and said, no, the blood was literal. So at that point, you're messing with the essential gospel. Yeah, That's a false prophet. That's a false teacher. That's, that's a whole nother level. And so I think this is where we have to, we have to be very cautious, though, who we avail our ear to on a normal basis because they mm -hmm. can lead us astray pretty easy. Yeah. And it says that they will promise them liberty. Yep. That's a big, that's something that stood out to me mm -hmm. because of this whole conversation of Christian, Christian freedom. liberty, Christian freedom. We can do it. Like, we can do whatever. Yeah, God and, is love. And that is, I think, one of the biggest red flags of these people that are, that will lead you astray. And do you think that every false teacher is intentionally leading people astray? Do you even think they realize sometimes? I think your true false teachers and false prophets are working for the enemy. Well, like Joseph Smith, I was classified as a false prophet. Now, I don't know Joseph Smith's brain, but I think a lot of them think they're actually doing the will of God. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't think a lot of them are thinking actively I'm preaching against Christ. I think a lot of them, like Joseph Smith, probably thought that he was doing well and probably even thought that he was doing really well when it, this 
quote unquote angel shows up to him and starts talking to him, Macron. Because they thought, I believe a lot of these false teachers, false prophets, they think that the Holy Spirit is speaking to them. They think that an- real angels are speaking to them. And I think a lot of them are completely unaware that it's demons. Yeah. I really do. Man, I've missed a lot of texts here. Goodness gracious. I didn't even see all these pop up. And I think there's a lot more people operating in the spirit of divination than we would ever want to admit. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, Pastor Chris, who I have heard again and again how great of a job he did Sunday. So um, awesome. Didn't Jesus say whoever blasphemes a son will be forgiven, but whoever blasphemes a Holy Ghost will not be, will go along with what you're teaching. Yeah. Like that's That's it. Like. You you can be forgiven for blaspheming the Holy uh, for blaspheming the Son, but don't be blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And if you reject the faith and reject what the Holy Spirit's done in your life, you're going to reject Him. You're going to blaspheme. And again, there does a I I'm thoroughly convinced that Scripture gives us a point of no return. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, these are like us, like we said, these are people that are boastful about it. Like, I mean, if you read Second Second Peter, they're boastful. Yeah, yeah. Honestly. I would say, like, Judas, he repented, but he couldn't find repentance. Like, he did repent, but he repented and he got caught. There was never true repentance. Mm-hmm. So, like, some people make the argument that Judas may have been that. Um, uh, let's see, Ananias and Sapphira, they lied to who? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. They didn't just lie to the apostles. They lied to the Holy Spirit. And so that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, so, for example, like, you know, Earlier, I was talking about, like, celebrities, and, you know, there's well-known, we've talked about some well-known, you know, pastors and things like that. It's a little bit harder when we don't personally know them, and, you know, th- some things get twisted around depending on what people say. But as a as a rule of thumb, if someone is claiming to be a Christian still, even though their lifestyle is completely not lining up with being a Christian, and other things are going on, but would that be some, would that show, if they are still claiming to be a Christian that they wouldn't fall into this category. Not necessarily. Because if they were in this category... I don't think necessarily because... Um, I think this is a little bit more deeper and more to unpack, but here we never actually have where this person actually, like, not... We saw where he got overcome and entangled again, and that probably did lead him down a path where he left the faith. Like, but even whenever you had your Christians... that like Paul, we're talking about Galatians who were, you know, following the gospel of grace and then turned back to the law, they were probably still walking around calling themselves Christians, but yet they had become entangled again. What what I think it was is even what me and Miss Katie was talking about, these are utterly rejecting or walking away. A lot of these people are walking away from the truth, but not walking away from the term Christian. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so they're denouncing the Bible. They're denouncing all this, but they're still saying, well, but Christ is love. And we're still following Christ, but the Bible was wrong. The truth was changed. And, and Yeah, I man, mm-hmm. I wish that I could remember his name. There is a guy on TikTok that has a bunch of followers that is basically saying just exactly what you said, that, yeah. that yeah, the, yeah, the Bible, it's wrong. And, you know, you think it says one thing, but, you know, the writers were wrong. They and... weren't progressive. They didn't have revelation. Yeah. Um, we've advanced. We've evolved as a society, so now we yes, understand. the yeah. evolved as yeah. society claim. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. They're, still pro- they're still proclaiming by name to be Christians. Yeah. 
But the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. So yeah. that whole we've evolved as society doesn't really yeah. cut the mustard. Um, but yet they've left the truth. Yeah. This is where they've rejected the truth. They've rejected faith. They've rejected the gospel. They've rejected the blood of Christ. They, but this is where coexist and new ageism comes into play because you can be anything you want. And well, I'm going to be Christian. You're going to be Muslim. We serve the same God. We don't. And if you were once a faithful follower of Christ, now you've backed up, and now we're, you're saying we're all serving the same God, where it's all the same thing. You may have still be Christ Christian by name, but you have left and rejected the truth and the blood of Christ. So, um, and so I don't think any everybody who falls victim to the impossible renewal against repentance is going to completely denounce Christianity by name and everything. I think it's they left the faith. They've left the they've left the truth and um now but i also want to say this before i get caught up on the other text message i don't think this is necessarily talking about somebody who like was a kid a grew up in a christian home and then when they left they've kind of walked away and now they're out in the world yeah i don't think this is this no this this is not somebody who grew up in a christian home and then left the christian christian faith because a lot of times people who grow up in a christian home is never part of the christian faith they just grew up in it yeah. Mm-hmm. They sang the songs, they, they did the church. Religion. But they didn't know Christ. Right. This is somebody who knows Christ. It has to be. It's this is not And um, so that's where like in prayer discernment and really leaning on the Holy Spirit comes yeah. in. I think we always side on the grace and mercy. We're gonna pray for grace and mercy. We're not praying for like all right, Lord, they're a reprobate. I don't want to pray for them ever again. Right. I think we continue to pray because we don't know. But I do think the reprobates are going to be very open. And we will kind of have this idea. And at that point, even as a believer, I think we pray, Lord, <laughs> it's looking like this. We pray it's not, but we pray that if, if, there, if there can be anything that can draw them back, do it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. We, I think we always pray with hope. We never pray with condemnation. But at the yeah. end, of, I mean. Because I've kind of seen people, like, I don't know. And maybe I used to fall into this, but I've just seen people like just write people off, you know, mm-hmm. like just be like, huh, they're yeah. too far gone. <laughs> yeah. wow. Well, well, they got something coming to them. Like, and I don't know. It just, I think if we know someone who's in this, it, I'm not saying we should just stay in a state. We still have joy in the Lord, but it should hurt our, it, I feel like it should hurt our heart for them. Oh, sure. Like it should make us, you know, sick for them that. Th- th- they're in that, yeah. you know, instead of, well, they got another thing coming to them, yeah. <laughs> you know. Like. Yeah. I-, I think the hard part comes in that, and nobody said Christianity is easy per se. And because when Jesus gives you the commission to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you and despitefully use you, that's not easy. But we have to, as Christians, find the balance to where we have compassion and hope for souls to be saved, but yet we openly can never endorse and condone what they're doing. Yeah. That's the tricky part times. So with false prophets, because of our hope for people to be redeemed and saved, we ignore what they're teaching. We can't, mm-hmm. we got to We've got to read. We got to retract and come against what they're teaching in an open way. No. Cause if we're condoning it, what they're doing, then that's just going to allow them to keep continue. Yeah. And it will lead other people astray. Yeah. So we need to pray that they would be saved, but we also need to openly reject the, the falsehoods and the persuasions and the seduction of... Well, we need to pray that if it's the Lord's will that they be removed from sure. le- leading people yeah. astray. 
Um, one listener says Hebrews 6, 4 were made partakers. When you look at the Greek it, definition, it means participant of the Holy Ghost. Yep. Um, Bible question, should false teachers be called out to protect the flock? I think if they're a true false teacher, I think saying names are okay. Yeah. The reason I wouldn't say that other guy's name I just talked about is I'm not persuaded he's a full false false preacher. Now, I do think what people do a lot is they just throw out names because that's who they are. And sometimes I think we call discerning the spirits personality traits we don't like or do like. When you're discerning the spirits, what you like or don't like about a person is completely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And But I think what we do a lot is classify, well, I don't really like this person. And I don't like how rude they are, so they definitely have a demonic spirit. Well, yeah. maybe not. Maybe maybe you just have this inclination against them, and you're perceiving things to be demonic that's not demonic. And the time, the fruit will show. The, the fruit, fruit will show. But I think we forget oftentimes the flawed people that the Lord used throughout the scriptures. Yeah. <laughs> like I think we are very critical on ministers we and are. and we're very leaders. But then we forget that in the scripture, the basically like the the most um, influential people were some of the most flawed people Mm -hmm. that we probably wouldn't get along with today. Yeah. Um, Like if I, I mean, I love David, but I don't know if I would (laughs) have. I I mean, I think I would have struggled with him. Yeah. I mean, I love that he was a man after God's heart, but I mean. With all of the things that he did, like, would if you, I was... Would you have followed him? Yeah, yeah. Like, I think I would struggle following him and respecting him. Mm-hmm. I, I would, I think. Yeah. I mean, I would respect his repentance, but still, it, it's just like, he's probably not somebody that I would hang out with in, yeah. the, in those seasons of his life. There was a person in my life that, honestly, I didn't really like personally, but yet they probably taught me and showed me as much as any other person because their characteristic traits weren't necessarily sinful. They just weren't my taste. And what we do to do, what we tend to do as humans is gravitate to people that we're like-minded with and we, we get along really well with. And I think that's really good. And I think we should gravitate to people of like-mindedness in the faith. But sometimes I need to be around people that sharpen me a little bit, not celebrate me. Mm. And a lot of times we as humans only get around people that celebrate us. Or like join a pity party with you. Like or, when you're with someone that. who is like their personality is a lot different. I've tended to notice that like whenever, I don't know, it's like they're more willing to give counsel and correction because they they see it from a different side. Whereas someone who you completely agree with on every single thing, mm-hmm. they're usually not going to bring correction to you or maybe sh- be able to sharpen you in the same way yeah. that someone else can. Yep. So. Kiersey always asked Jacob, how can you and Aaron talk to each other like that? Because we are very open. Because me and Jacob actually don't see everything the same way. So we will debate. We'll come back and forth. We'll tell each other when you need to suck it up, buttercup. And there's sometimes we've gone into hard conversations that said really hard things to each other. But we know we love each other in the end of the day. And, like, you know, we're willing to hear that from each other. But a lot of times we, if anybody says anything like that, we're out. Because how, who do you think you are? And a lot of times that's why we don't grow a lot. Because we don't have, we don't let anybody take a knife to us every once in a while. 
because you'll see things about me that I don't see about myself. And I'll see things about you you don't see about yourself. And so, but somebody calls it out. Well, they just, did you hear what? My spirit's just going off. I don't like them no more. And I just get this really bad feeling. The bad feeling is they probably called something out on you. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, now the defensive walls are going up and insecurities happening and all these things. And we've got to eliminate this. And this is where in the body of Christ, I've said this a lot, we have to become unoffendable. Now, if somebody comes up to you just being a jerk, that, we're not talking about that. We're talking about people who, you know, may say something hard to you every once in a while. And I've had that done. And sometimes it, had, may, it, may, have my, it may have not been done the right way, but I needed to hear it. And I still love the person afterwards. But a lot of times we don't. Um, mm-hmm. um, I think when you see that what you're trying to show someone is not going to be received, then you walk away and pray God will send someone else with a different approach. Brother Darren says, uh, Pastor Darren says, yes, continue to reach them, but always stand and preach and teach the truth and praying the Lord does whatever he has to bring them to truth. Good discussion this morning. Um, I have enjoyed this discussion a lot. And we should pray whatever's necessary. I personally don't think there's ever a time we stop praying for somebody. Now, there does come a time, and we talked about this last week. Was it last? I think it was last week where we stopped casting our pearl before the swine. Mm -hmm. I do think there's a time where we stop doing that, like what Miss miss gail just talked about um but there, i don't think there's ever a time where we stop to pray for somebody stop praying for somebody and even if even if it openly looks like they're a reprobate i don't think we quit mm-hmm. god if there's anything you can do to draw them back but i don't think we'll ever get there until we begin to love souls like god loves souls mm-hmm. and i think a lot of times we don't stay there because we really don't see people like god sees people yeah and that that's hard. I mean, I had a situation myself where somebody has really, really hurt um, a family member that's really close to me. And I pray for her. And I, I mean, I'm going to be honest, like I, I have a really hard time wondering if, like, do I keep her out or do I let her in? Like, I don't know. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm at this point where it's so, so bad that I don't know. But then, then I feel like the Lord says, well, you know, how can they see me through you if you don't have anything to do with them? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's a really, really fine line. I it is like. hard. It, I mean, yeah, I'm in that situation right now and I'm praying about it. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I've been very open about the discussion with my dad and how it wasn't a great relationship. And at the end of his life, he was, I was probably the only one helping. Pretty much everybody else bailed. And I don't blame him. I mean, he, honestly, I don't blame him at all. I was clinging to the scripture a lot, honor your mother and father and you'll have longevity of life. And with my eating habits, I need all the help I can get. <laughs> so, um, but when I looked at that, like, it was really hard. And I came home one night after I put my own kids to bed. And I went over there, and um, I was going to bring him some food. And this was late at night, he called me. So I got my clothes back on and was taking food over there. And he cussed me out, one upside down and the other, because I didn't get there earlier. And he says, your kids don't need you. They got your mo- they got your wife right now. I need you. And they said they said something to the effect of, like, I never, I never tucked you in at bed when you was little, and you turned out okay. So I need you over here when I call you. And I need you over here whenever I say I need food. And it makes you want to just and walk away. Yeah. But 
then I'm just like, that's these are the moments I wanted to quit, but these are the moments I prayed and I walked through. And it was hard. I went home. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It was probably one of the hardest things I had to hear. And I went home with tears in my eyes, and that was tough. It was a tough night. And I think these moments are the ones we, we really – I say this stuff a lot, but I, I I try to live it. So I'm not saying something I don't We put our big boy pants on. Mm-hmm. And we, we say, it is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. Yeah. And that's that's hard. It is very hard. It's hard to strip off those fleshly uh, yeah. feelings towards people. See, we'll sing less of me and more of you yeah. until we got to live it. <laughs> yeah. Because we think less of me and more. I'm going to stop cussing and I'm going to have more of you. No. Yeah. It's whenever you let yourself die. And your hurt and your pain and your protection and your walls and you just let Christ live in and through you. And that is hard. Like anybody who says Christianity is easy yeah, probably has never walked it out. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so rewarding and so amazing. Yeah. Um but I I feel you, Miss Katie. I guess at the end of the day you have to remember like you're the one that has to answer for how you treated them. Mm-hmm. And they're the one that has to answer. Yep. For their actions, you know. I teach my kids and kids all the time. You can't control somebody else, but you can control you. And how you respond is the only thing that you can respond. And it's a conversation around forgiveness. When you hold unforgiveness in your heart, that person you're unforgiving for probably don't even think about you. But yet that unforgiveness is keeping you up at night. Mm -hmm. And unforgiveness is as much about you as it is the person you're forgiving. Yeah. And there's definitely some times where people have been able to forgive where I'm like, wow, that must have been so hard. Because it's obvious that that would be hard to forgive. But there's also times when we're holding unforgiveness towards people and really the the person we're, we're holding unforgiveness towards, sometimes they really didn't do much. But it's insecurity in our own heart. And their um, offense. And offense. Yes, offense. And it all just depends on the situation. But, like, in Aaron's situation, like, man, like, I mean, that's completely understandable for me. I'm like, man, that would be hard. But there's some other situations where, you know, I think we always have to really let the Lord work on us to show us what really is happening. Because we can have something wrong in our mind about a situation for so long because of the spirit of offense, because of bitterness, because of insecurity that you've been carrying around your whole life. And you can think that really somebody did something to you, but really it was that spirit lying to you the whole time. That's right. And the other person didn't do a thing. And I'm completely not talking about that situation because that would have been really hard. But I don't know. I just started to think about that, like all the different times that that people hold unforgiveness there's a lot of times that I've had to look back and think wow like that person really didn't do anything to me and like the Lord revealed like what really happened that Mm -hmm. it was really just spiritual and my own you know my own feelings that's why feelings are just so bad to to lead us and emotions because they they lie a lot of times the heart is (laughs) deceitful yeah um there's a scripture I look at a lot here that's going along with what we talked about. Um, John four thirty four. Jesus said to them, "This is after, you know, this is after um, the the woman at the well and all this." He says, "My food is to do the will of Him who sent me, and to finish His work." Do you not say there are still four months, four more months, and then come harvest? It's 
this is pretty much in all the gospels, you know, and every one of them says labors are few. The fields are ready, but the labors are few. But John's particular, John says something different than the rest of them. He says, do you not say there are so four more months then comes the harvest? He says, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. John's the only one I think records that words. And I don't think we ever see the fields right until we first look up. Because until we get God's heart, we'll never look out right. Mm -hmm. First, we got to look up before we look out. If we look out before we look up, we'll only see what we see. But if we look up before we look out, we get the eyes of the Father. And we can now interpret and see the harvest through the eyes and the heart of the Father, not through the eyes and hearts of Aaron. Mm. And until we look up before we look out, we'll never look out Oprah correctly. Yeah. And... And then we will see just how white the field is for harvest. Yeah. When we was driving through Alabama, we saw cotton fields everywhere. And it was beautiful. Like, it was absolutely beautiful. When we went down to Florida a, long, a, few, a little while ago, and you see all the fields white unto harvest. And now, that's there already. But because we're not looking up, we look out, and for some reason we're colorblind. And I think until we get the heart of God, we'll never actually have the wa the color open to us, just how white the fields are. Mm -hmm. So instead of looking out and seeing them white under harvest, ready to be plucked, we see kids dressed all in black and call them gothic. But really what, what's going on is depression. Yeah. Rejection. Well, I'm guilty of that. Yeah. In high school, that's we all did that. Yeah. Fatherlessness. Yeah. Yes. Don't know what's, and I'm not saying, I'm not characterizing every single one of them, but we look out and see how they're looking, but we're never looking past the look. We're never looking to the position of the heart and how hurt and damaged and broken. There's a reason there's an expression of depression because they're depressed, but we don't see that. What we just see is the external. And until we can start looking past their external into the internal, and that's only done by the heart of God, we'll actually never see the harvest right. So we see black clothes. The father sees white under harvest. Mm -hmm. And this is where we've got to get to. But it's not easy. And I'm not going to say it's easy. Like this is taking like, and the easy part is never, we don't, we don't have to work enough to earn this. It's that we have to be willing to receive it. And we have to be willing for the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. And it's like my story I tell of the woman who was buying liquid plumber at Walmart. And I was judging my kids like, you were even like taking your kids and moving them out of the way. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit arrested me right there in Walmart and said, you don't know her pain. Yeah. You don't know what happened to her childhood. You don't know why she's doing this. You don't know where it started. Instead of, instead of pushing off, won't you pull in? And won't you begin to pray? And, and you know, it is, this is repentance, changing the way we're thinking allowing the Holy Spirit to do what he alone can do. And so we never quit praying for somebody. Even if we think they're complete reprobate, we always pray if there's any way possible, Lord, bring them back in. So, yeah. Anything else? It's good stuff. Yeah, it's been good discussion. Uh, Miss Gail says you can quit casting your pearls while you continue to pray for them. Sometimes you can cause more harm by continuing to try to talk to them than by stepping back and continuing to pray. Um, I think so. I think last week we said, what did we say last week? Um, sometimes we think if we feed the pig enough pearls that it's going to change them. Yeah. 
And all we're doing is choking the pig out with our pearls and losing our pearls in the meantime. <laughs> yeah. And there's, well, it's even like this last weekend. If somebody, we had a, our tour guy who's very knowledgeable, but when I'm staring at the mountains, I don't need to be told about the mountains. I'm seeing the mountains. Now, there's a time that I can learn about them and stuff like that, but when I'm gazing upon them, I don't need somebody in my ear telling me everything about them. I just want to see it in all of its majesty. And if we would show people Christ, because Paul did come in, and Corinthians tell us, I didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And there has to come a time where we stop talking about God yeah, and start showing them the Father. A big statement. Big statement. And so, not always easy, though. Nope. And we need the grace and the mercy to do it and just the availability for ourselves to say yes and amen. But mm. <clears throat> good That's stuff. Good. Um, I remember one time in my life, there was something that happened that I had suppressed. And I'm not going to details. Like, I didn't even remember it happening until I was praying one day. And I was probably 20, 21 years old. And I was praying, Lord, if there's anything in my heart that would keep us separated, I want it gone. And it's like veil, this veil was ripped back. And he said, and it was like a volcano that was erupting that was silent. And I remember when the Lord illuminated that and brought it back into my remembrance and all these things, it was a wrong that somebody's done. I remember I had to own it and I had to forgive. And it was probably one of the hardest forgivenesses I ever did. And I was did it and the volcano stopped erupting. But even in our own lives, like there's maybe things in your own heart right now that is erupting. You don't even know it. And this is where we have to be willing to say less of you, less of me and more of you. This is not, we're going to stop sinning less of me and more of you is my emotions are going out the door. My desires are going out the door. My, picture of what the American dream lot is like going out the door. This is all about you, dad. I'm going to do it all for you. And whatever you want, I say yes and amen. Mm. And this is the kind of Christianity I'm trying to teach my kids. This is what I'm trying to teach New Testament survey class. Mm. Not this sissified, watered down gospel that say your prayer, repeat after me and do whatever you want the rest of your life. Like Jesus says in Luke, unless you're willing to give it all up, you're not worthy to be my disciple. And I think that's, Jesus don't lie. <laughs> and yeah. so we got to be ready. Um, we've got three or four minutes, final words. I don't know. I mean, I think it's been a good discussion this Me morning. Me too. Lots of things to think about yeah. for listeners Hannah, you had a and good pray word. about. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well. I like this uh, fresh back from vacation, Aaron. I <laughs> I told somebody that it's like you're you're a lot more mellow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like normally you talk a lot faster, but I feel like you're like processing everything slower. I am I processing know. things differently. It's like you've just slowed down. I like it. It's more my speed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's something I ab- think slowly. There's something that happened to me in Wyoming that really just shifted me internally. And I don't really know how to say it. I don't even I don't even know how to I've been trying to vocalize it for two days now, but I can't. And I, I was silent a lot during the trip. I know I was, but it was just 
I was mesmerized by the beauty of the mountains and that position of the earth. But I was mesmerized by how slow life moved there. Mm-hmm. And how, when I say happy, not everybody's like dancing through dandelions. But you know one thing I noticed about people? They didn't walk around stressed. Like you didn't just see people like, <gasps> but then as soon as I got back to Dallas airport, you could almost feel a different atmosphere and spirit about it. And you could see the stress. You could see it. And that's what America tells me successful is. But if that's success in America's eyes, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't want it. Uh, nobody can, I'm not lazy. I don't think anybody can call me lazy. But when I heard that commercial, stress will kill you as fast as drugs was, Will. That's true. I was like, gosh, that hit me. It hit me so hard. So, Miss Tabitha says that you were in shalom with God. That probably is a fair statement to make, honestly. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know like I know people's gonna get tired of me saying stuff about it, but I don't know how else to say it. Like there was a lot that shifted in my heart on vacation. And um well, I don't even know if I call it vacation. It was just a weekend getaway with the wife, but it was I don't know. I'm still unpacking what God did and showed me. Um <clears throat> good stuff though this morning. Yeah. I enjoy it. I have enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for all the listeners that chimed in, the family. Um, I love it when we're very active and very involved. And this morning definitely was that. And um, Heather showed me a picture of Ivy chilled out on the bed <laughs> watching television with her baba. I'm surprised she's awake. <laughs> she, she's been waking up a little bit early. She usually yeah. sleeps late, but yeah. she has not been doing that lately. Last night it was so cute. I know we're, we're out of here, but um, Eliza would touch her hair. Cause she had food all in her hair from dinner. And so she hadn't got it cleaned out yet. And Eliza was trying to help her. Ivy would turn around, smack her little hand, go stop. <laughs> She's starting to say words. Yes. Yeah. It is so precious. Aww. And she goes, stop, stop. <laughs> yeah. So she's she, a blessing. She is. Um, she is. She's going, she's on the last track of being fully adopted. So we're praying that we can get it done before Christmas. Yeah. It's a realistic pop- possibility. So awesome. that's our That'd prayer. Good Christmas present. Yeah. Well, we're out of here for this morning. We love you guys. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time. Brother Greg will be with us. Miss Katie, thank you so much for coming on Wednesday with us. Um, go over there and enjoy grading some paces. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, get to be with the teenagers yep. for a couple hours. All right. Love, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, here on Mornings of Box 2 Radio, on the Box 2 Radio.